You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. Or I should say, click on your device to Acts chapter 2. We'll begin reading at verse 1. This would be the NIV, often known as the Necessary and Vineyard Translation. Some of my fundamentalist friends call it the non-inspired version, but we'll go with uh, the NIV, the New International Version. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and to make the living word active. Let it have its full, creative, powerful purpose that you've intended it to have in our lives. Let it divide down to the morrow. Let it, let it penetrate like a sword, like a scalpel. Lord, let it bring all that you've ordained it to bring. We receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Last week we, we looked at chapter one. We looked at some of the stuff that was happening that was preparing for the day of Pentecost. And, and we, we have Jesus dying on the cross, then he's three days risen on the third day, and then he shows himself for 40 days, teaching about the kingdom of God. And now for a week, they've been in the upper room praying. We suggested, I suggested to you that some of the dynamic of prayer is that you, you kind of get your hearts connected after you've been praying day and night together for a week. I think you kind of get a little close. But we realize that these disciples at this point, they probably had the frustration that many of us have. You know, we, we, we know Jesus, we've read the scripture, we've heard the gospel, we've, we've had it preached. We, we know what we should do and we know what we do do, okay? 
And so there's, there's that tension, that frustration. And especially as Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom and as he commissions them to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that has been commanded. And as, as you look at the dynamic of all that's in there, it's like an overwhelming task. It's like, how in the world are we gonna do this? I don't know about you, but there was that point when, when I came to Christ and, and I was walking out and I wanted, to be, I wanted to be a good Christian and I wanted to do what I was supposed to do. I wanted to be obedient. I wanted to make sure that I was, you know, dotting all my T's or I's and crossing all my T's and, and just following very, very carefully to be an obedient believer. And then it got overwhelming. Have you done that in your own strength? You kind of pull your hair out. <laughs> and it's like, man, this is, this is hard to do. How, do. how do we do this? And, and the disciples, you know, the disunity of this group and how they came together, no doubt, you know, they're, they've got Peter who, who denied that he knew him three times, went out fishing, was trying to get away, gets restored back to his call to feed the sheep care for the sheep, tend to the sheep, all that, that the Lord in, engages with Peter. We have that dynamic and we've, we've got, you know, James and John wanting to be the right and the left uh, in, in the kingdom. They, they're jockeying for position. They're doing all sorts of stuff. And now they're just kind of bewildered. Jesus died, all their hope was gone. Then he appeared, he was raised. He, he, he showed himself to them. He went to make sure that even the most skeptical of them, that Thomas would believe, here's the holes, side, hands, feet, see, believe, stop doubting. And so they're going through all of this. And, and in Matthew's gospel, when you get to the end of Matthew, as the Great Commission comes, you know, they're there and Jesus is speaking to them. And even in that context, a verse that just blows me away is that it says, and some doubted. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to believe if you saw someone really, really, really die and you have no grid for resurrection. Now the disciples have Lazarus and they also have, you know, the, the widow of Nain the little boy that got raised by Jesus, that in the funeral procession, he blew the whole funeral. I don't know if they, they probably still got to have their dinner afterwards, a celebration dinner. Uh, but, but they have that whole, whole dynamic. And it, it's like, can you imagine the emotional makeup of the disciples at this time? And they spend a whole week together in prayer. And I think somebody must have got a little tired and figured, well, we, you know, we used to be 12. So any nominations to fill in Judas's vacancy? You know, we, we need to get this. I've read several, you know, scholars as they look at that. And it was like, what, what a waste of, of, you know, half a chapter of scripture. You know, they, they go through this, put, uh, you know, on, they have these two candidates and it goes to Matthias. And, and so, anybody know anything about Matthias? Wow. 
It's kind of like, what's going on? It's, it, it reminds me of, of, of the kind of thing that Peter would often do when he didn't know what to say, he said. You know, and, and it's kind of like, I wonder if they just wasted some time in the upper room. I believe that they were reconciling the hurts and the relational dynamic that they had with one another, and they were coming together uh, in the same kind of devotion and love for Jesus. It, was, it wasn't that they, they were all cookie-cutter Christians. They all didn't wear their hair the same. They all didn't talk the same. You know, they, they, it wasn't about conformity. It was about the unity of their love and devotion to Jesus that I, that I think brings a, 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 real, a real magnetism to heaven. And as they're in the upper room and they're together, I, I like the King James at this point, in one accord, you know, that, 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 there is, that there is, there's something about the oneness of that moment and the Holy Spirit is released. Wow. Wow. It manifests first as a sound. It sounds like a, a violent, a mighty, rushing wind. There's a, you know, there's, there's a wind that takes place. And uh, the, the wind... The word in the Hebrew, ruach, is, you know, it, it, it has to do with wind, breath, spirit. In, in the Greek, it's pneumata. And as, as, we, as we see the, the spirit of God, the breath of God, the wind of God coming, it, it's so powerful. It's so amazing. And it's probably horrific. I imagine the decibel level there were probably people there that would say to the sound booth, would you please turn the sound down? It's a little too high. But here there was nobody in the sound booth. It's the, the wind of God coming, and it sounds like a violent rushing wind. Wow. Now this isn't the first time in Scripture that uh, something creative, something wonderful. We've got the Ruach at the creation of the world and, and we see that the Ruach of God is hovering over the earth. And we understand that through Christ, all things were created by the Holy Spirit. The Ruach, the Spirit of God, took forth and fashioned the creation. And we go all the way to Ezekiel, and we get to Ezekiel, and, and God talks, takes him to the Valley of Dry Bones. And, and they look at, here are dead, old, old bones. And God asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? And he says, you know. He's not going to venture <laughs> an answer to that one. And he was told to prophesy to the bones, the breath of God. To, to speak to the four corners, the wind of, of the four corners. And for the wind of God, the breath of God to come upon bones. And they were alive. And so now we have, I, I don't know how, how better to put it than the kind of place that we all get when we, when we hear the good news and we receive Jesus and, and we're wanting to follow, but there's only so far that we can follow because his kingdom is a kingdom that is a spiritual kingdom. 
and, and his worshipers worship in spirit and in truth. And the way in which we connect and un, unite is by spirit. In John 4, 24, it's, it says that, and God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so as, as we connect with that, we realize that we are spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings made in the image of God. We have a masculine, feminine dimension to our, our being, but spirit connects to spirit. This is the kind of conversation that Jesus is trying to explain the learned Pharisee of all Pharisees, Nicodemus. And he's, he doesn't understand how, how you get birthed into the kingdom. How do you get born again? And he says, spirit gives birth to spirit. He's thinking, do I have to go back into the birth canal and do that again? No, 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 no. Spirit gives birth to spirit. And so there's that connection of spirit touching spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, we have the spirit manifesting as wind. And it's, it's blowing in an uncontrollable way. And the next they see, they, they, they see like these, these little flames of fire, tongues of fire that come and light upon all of them. And what happens? See, there has to be, there has to be a measure of trust and belief and secure, security in the love of God and in the love relationship with Jesus for us to come to a place where we're ready to yield ourselves and give control to him. Is, is that easy for anybody? Just real easy? Yeah. Sometimes it's easy to, to give the words, but to live it out, sometimes that's a little more difficult. And all to Jesus, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. Yeah, and until, you know, there's a conflict. Mm. Church service or Cavaliers in Golden State. Oh, ooh. Hmm. Aren't you glad for DVRs? Makes following Jesus a lot easier. No. <laughs> But we, we, we find that there's times when we start to see what's really in competition. What are what we'd, we'd call in old days idols that would come between us and the Lord. And, and we find that there's a lot of things, you know, about our pride. There's a lot of things about the things that we prefer. Uh, there's uh, things that uh, we, we would rather satisfy uh, an immediate temporary pleasure than sacrifice it for something that isn't immediate, isn't readily uh, tangible, but has an eternal, an eternal consequence attached to it. It's like, hmm. It's kind of difficult, isn't it, sometimes? And I can't imagine what the disciples were going through. Peter, of all, he gets restored. You know, he has this special one-on-one -on -one time with Jesus and all this, and He's kind of been the spokesperson, the leader of the group, and he's probably feeling like, you know, he's shamed himself right out of the game. He's, he's disqualified himself, and, and now the Holy Spirit comes, and, you know, who's speaking? Who's preaching the first message? That's Peter. 
And so we, we have all this, the, this incredible theophany of the Holy Spirit being manifest and, and the tongues. And what happens? Let's not get lost in, 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 in just language. Let's see what's happening. There's, there's spirit touching spirit. There's a yieldedness of the disciples and all those gathered in, in the upper room. There's a yieldedness of their body, of their spirit, of their mind, of their brain, all of themselves to God. And the presence of God manifests upon them, resulting in praise. Praise that is just taking place and erupting in the midst of all the, the, the stimuli of the, the sound of the wind and the, what they see in the flames. And, and now what they hear, they hear a bunch of Galileans praising God and everybody can hear what they're praising God for in their own language. Now that's called a miracle, folks. A, a, a miracle is when there's something that's going on that transcends what we would naturally understand. You know, it, it, it's like it goes beyond just the normal cause and effect. Linda, can, can you just stand up and, and give some praise to God in German right now? <laughs> Won't you, you give us some German, okay? Can you, can you do that? Proclaim the wonders of God in German. What would you do if she did that? What would, what would happen if all of a sudden you were speaking a known human language, extolling the wonder of God without ever having been acquainted with it? Ay, ay, ay. Total puedo en Cristo que me fortalece. That's about as much as I can do in Spanish. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, but it, it's like, that's a miracle. When you, when you have a, something that comes upon you, and for that to happen, there has to be a level of yieldedness in you. There has to be a level of surrender and yieldedness to you, to the, to the Spirit of God, that He can come in and do that. And what we find here is just an incredible, I know scholars will say it's a miracle of hearing and they were all speaking their prayer language. I don't think that. I think that they were speaking known human languages. If you want to know where I stand for what that's worth, I think that's what they're, what they're doing there. I think there's a huge difference between what happens in chapter two of Acts and what Paul talks about in chapters 12, 13, and 14 in Corinthians. One is a miracle of communication and whether they had anointed ears and they could hear and everybody was talking English and they could hear Spanish, German, all that Portuguese. There's a miracle that happens in Acts chapter two. And what happens in the gift of tongues is it's a gift. A gift is given. A miracle happens and it, it brings forth praise and adoration and proclamation. It gathers a bunch of people together and, and they're wondering what in the world is going on. And they hear God being extolled, God being praised. They hear the praises and the proclamation of God in all their normal languages. And it results in a whole bunch of people coming. But you know, I, I love the honesty of the scriptures. Yeah. 
honesty of the scriptures, there, there's always those that are saying, eh, they're a little tipsy. <laughs> you know, it's only nine o'clock. They, they've, they've hit the, the heavy vine, and they, they, the heavy wine, they're intoxicated. Yeah. Oh. So, that, so there's, there's a sense of, there's a sense of, uh, we don't believe this is God. They're just drunk. But the rest came together. And there was, you know, it's kind of like what's going on in your heart. If you're not hungry for God, you'll never find him. I thank God that he's the one in his prevenient grace. He's got the grace that goes before that creates the hunger inside of us to want to find him. And there were those that were hungry. And as Peter got, rose up and as he spoke, huh, what, what a celebration. What a harvest. All of those Jewish people who've been having a relationship with the law trying to find favor and earn favor with God and trying to somehow through performance substantiate that they were a lover of God, now they get birthed by believing in Jesus. And many come to Christ. Now that's, that's, a, that's a revival there. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a good day's preaching right there. The listening aspect is amazing. Listening. See, I think, I think as they were reaching the latter days of prayer in the upper room, probably around day five, my imagination, they prayed themselves out with words. They've exhausted all the language that they could know. I think they finally got to the place where they shut up and listened. You know, and that's a dynamic of prayer that oftentimes we, we miss, dynamic. is listening. And sometimes we've got to get all the stuff out, and that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Get all our petition, get all our concerns, get all our burdens, voice them to God, all the different things that we want to are, are mediating uh, for, for others who are in need. We get all of that out. And then it's time to listen. What is the Lord saying? Huh. And he showed up in a big time way. Hmm. I want to read to you. There's no way I could quite get this right. I thought, I'm just going to read. David McKenna, he was uh, the president of Asbury Seminary right after I graduated. He's got a PhD and he's a Bible scholar. Just amazing. He's doing a commentary on Acts and this is what he says. He says, when we understand the, when we understand the complicated mechanism of articulation through the system of the brain, we begin to see what a phenomenal thing happened to the Lord's people. Okay? Anybody fall asleep yet? Poke your neighbor, say, wake up. This is going to be high-tech stuff, but I'm sure he's got a point, you know. The cerebral cortex of the brain sends a signal to the bronchus speech center where words are formulated. This area lies on the lateral side of the dominant brain. 
So if you're right hemisphere or left hemisphere, yeah. With the aid of the motor cortex on both sides of the brain, messages are sent deep into the brain where the medulla lies. Here, two cranial nerves, the 12th, which controls the tongue. Okay, everybody, this is going to be on a quiz. <laughs> the 12th controls the tongue. And the 17th, which controls the mouth, are stimulated into action. Is this amazing? You're getting blessed right now, aren't you? You say, this is edifying. At the same time, the cerebral motor, motor cortex takes over uh, voluntary control of respiration from the medulla oblongata. La la la. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking in tongues now. Mm. Where the involuntary respiratory center usually controls respiration. Signals are sent down the phrenic nerve to the diaphragm and to the thoracic nerves to cause the person to exhale on command. The combination of all this produces speech. Oh, yes. That we can think and then express our thoughts in words in our own language as evidence of the wonder of our creation. Okay? But what about the other tongues? Yeah. Luke tells us, the praise of the spirit-filled believers was spoken in the languages of the people gathered in Jerusalem. Hmm. This is an indication of how completely filled and under the influence of the spirit they were. The magnificent mechanism of speech was utilized by him to enable the believers to think and articulate in languages they had not learned previously. McKenna goes on to, to make a distinction between these Acts chapter 2 tongues and, and Corinthians tongues. Really, really interesting. With Acts chapter 2, there's no need for an interpreter because the praise and the declaration and, and the glorifying of God is in the language that everyone can hear and understand. However, you know, I could say, hold on, you know, Bartholomew was speaking in Portuguese and I don't understand Portuguese. We need to have an interpreter on what he was saying. Now, I was able to hear the languages and that would probably give credence to the, to, the, to the miracle in the hearing argument that everybody got to hear. Amazing, just absolutely amazing. There is something about coming to a place of surrender and yieldedness, of trust in the Lord. Before the brain, <laughs> the breath, that nerve that controls the tongue and the mouth and all of it goes together. I don't know, I don't know what your experience has been. I remember when my youth pastor, I was in the Free Methodist Church, a, a holiness denomination and and we really never talked about tongues, never really heard anything about tongues. And this is different from, from what we have here at, at Pentecost, but it's similar. Because there's the same kind of yieldedness that must take place for us to be able to receive a manifestation of the Holy Spirit that, that expresses itself in spiritual language 
for the individual's own personal edification, according to Paul in Corinthians. And uh, I remember when they prayed for Debbie and I to receive, uh, they, they had had an encounter with the Holy Spirit and they're praying for Deb and I and we're kneeling before them and we're at their house and they're praying for us to receive the Holy Spirit. And I was just so hungry because I knew I needed more than what I had. What I had wasn't cutting it. I wasn't able to really do and live the way I saw Jesus live. See, Jesus isn't just an example for us. He's an example of us. He's an example of, of what God intends for us to be. Not that we're, we're going to get a Messiah complex or anything like that. But the things that he did, we're supposed to do. And according to John, even greater things. And so as, as I look at that dynamic and I get there, we're on our knees and we're praying and we're asking and, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just completely yielded, just absolutely yielded. Now they're trying to coach us into something. Well, just say a syllable, say a syllable, just let some syllables come out and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, what they're, what they're saying is get to a place of yieldedness where you're so yielded to the Holy Spirit that he has access to areas of your speech, your thought, and your physical being that you've never surrendered, you've never given to him. And I thought, oh, well, I know the regulars here know my story. You know, I'm a first-year Greek student, so I'm doing my, my Greek endings. OSA, omata et use. I can give you a translation of that if you'd like. Those are Greek vowel endings for uh, first person, singular, second person, singular, third person, singular, first person, plural, first per, uh, second person, plural, third person, plural. So, you know, you, you can go through and they say, he's got it. And I'm thinking, well, I'm just doing but. But while I was going OSA, Omata et the Use, the Spirit of God came. He, he saw beyond my, my ability to, to do Greek bow endings, and he saw the yieldedness of my heart. And it was so powerful, I couldn't explain. I didn't know how to connect the dots because I hadn't I hadn't grown up in a in a Pentecostal charismatic environment, so I, I don't know the language of how they would even describe what was going on. So I'm here just trying to figure out what is this? I have no clue, but I felt God's presence. You, you, you felt the weightiness of the presence of his glory come. So I thought it was OSA, Omata et Use. So I just thought, Every morning, I'm just getting up and going, OSA, Omata et the Use. Yes, 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 let's do this. Let's do this. OSA, Omata et the Use. All that kind of stuff. And, and every time I said that, something happened. Now, in case anybody's wondering, that is not the gift of tongues, as described in 1 Corinthians. That would be a form of tongues that some have, have come to, to identify as a psychological tongue where you say something that sounds like goober, uber, you know, shandalai, shandalai, who took my Honda type of thing. And so you, 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 get, you get some of those kind of little plays with words. And sometimes if the heart and the spirit's lined up, there's, there's a, a release of something when you do something like that. 
there is a real tangible release that happens even, even when we're not experiencing the authentic. So, oh gosh, I need to land this plane, don't I? Um, real quickly, I started talking with my professors and the people that were spiritual leaders that I trusted, and, and we came to the conclusion that uh, there's tongues where you can speak a, a, a known human language without ever having studied it. There's uh, tongues that the, the occult uses. There's a demonic manifestation of tongues. And, and some of the world religions, you'll find uh, even a manifestation of tongues in, in their uh, practices. Uh, there's psychological mumbo-jumbo that sometimes brings a release just because you're releasing something that's just there. It's not necessarily an authentic expression of the gift of tongues. And then there's something that sounds like mumbo-jumbo, but it is, it is truly a gift of the Holy Spirit that you, you find the fruit of it is that it builds you up. It's not a known language on planet Earth. It's, it's, it's a spiritual language that the Holy Spirit gives to us for our own personal building up with God. And several years after I stopped, because when, when we did that, I figured mine was psychological, so I stopped going to OSA, Omatea to Use. And uh, I stopped that, and, and life went back to normal, and, and I graduated, and I was pastoring, and I, now I'm up in Merrillville, Lake County. Anybody from Lake County? Anybody know anything about Lake County? Yeah, the, be. the principalities and powers over Lake County were probably the most powerful things I've ever had come up to, against at that point. Every day in ministry, I felt like I got my head kicked and, and my brains beat out, and I had, no, I had no grid for that, had no understanding of what was going on. But it was, it's dark over the steel mills, the principality, the evil, the wickedness. There's murder that takes place in the steel mills. Guys go to work and they never come home. And it, it, it's, it's just wicked and evil, period. And I had a lot of guys that worked in the steel mill at my church. And so I heard, you know, the depression. They'd, they'd come to church and you could see the darkness and the depression upon them. And so after three years of ministering up there, I was just kind of coming at the end of my rope. And I just said, Lord, I don't want to do anything that's offensive to you. I, I, I want to be close to you. I want our relationship to build, 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 build. I really want to continue to build that relationship with you. But something seemed to happen when I went OSA, Omata et de Use. And I don't understand that, but I don't want to offend you, please. I don't want to do anything that's illegal, anything that's wrong, anything that's bad. But tonight, I'm going to OSA, Omata et de Use. Please don't be mad. But if there's anything in it, I really want to know you. So I went OA, OSA, Omata et Use, and it just flowed. Can't tell you what I said. I only know OSA, Omata et Use. I, I remember that because I know 
Now, up until that time, my prayer life probably never went over 15 minutes. Three hours later, I stopped and was so freaked out, I thought I'd entered the twilight zone. I had no idea what had happened. Debbie was upstairs asleep. I started praying at 10. I got done at 1. And I thought, what was that? And I knew in my denomination it was not accepted everywhere. And especially in the Indiana area, it was really frowned upon. And I thought, what do I do, Lord? I said, am I supposed to be evangelistic about this? And he said, no, this is just a gift from me to you. It is for you. It is personally for you just to build you up. Now, I like gifts. And I was a good student, Bible student. And if I could pick my gift, it would have been the gift of healings. That's the one I wanted. Sign me up for the gift of healings. That's Please, 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 please. I want that one. I want that one. I got the one that I have no education, no understanding, no teaching, no training. And I got that gift. And it was like, oh. But it was so necessary for me to be able to have that gift and exercise that gift. My ministry changed overnight. People would come in and talk to the pastor and instantly I knew what the issue was. And I didn't know, I, I'm, I'm not the kind of person that thinks he knows everything and knows everything. You're here, you're talking about this, but you really mean, all of a sudden it was like, oh. And so I just make a question, you know, as they came in with their presenting problem. And then I just would ask a question and it would unlock everything. And I was like, oh, this is, this is kind of good. It's kind of a forerunner of my counseling ministry. And I, I enjoyed that. And it was like, wow, Lord, this is, this is really significant. The gift of tongues is different than the miracle of tongues. But thank God for both. And it takes a similar yieldedness to experience that. And it's been my heart as your pastor to to get us to the place where we're so yielded that he can manifest in us any way he wants to. I get so pleased, especially the last two Sundays, with those that have been able to come to the front and share what the Lord has given to them to share with the congregation. Did it bless you? It blesses me every time. It's just like, that is so good, so wonderful. I appreciate it so much. And getting to that place of yieldedness where we will allow ourselves to do that. Sometimes the, the, the stumbling block, I, I think for a long time, is just, it feels so silly. It just feels so silly. You know, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't, it, it really, I find that oftentimes the Lord will offend the mind to reveal the heart. And it's like, Lord, I will follow you as long as it makes sense. And it's like, when it doesn't make sense, we've come to a crossroads. What are we going to do? I would urge you to follow him, even if it, even if it uh, offends you. Okay?
Let's pray. Father, thank you for the day and thank you for the grace for this wonderful group of people to go way over the time limit on Pentecost Sunday. And Holy Spirit, we want to honor you. We just want to give you an opportunity to do what's in Father's heart, to do the things that you have been sent to the earth to do, to glorify Jesus, to exalt him, to bring to remembrance all that he taught and said and did. And we just welcome you. We welcome you here. sense that the call of the Holy Spirit today is for all the brothers and sisters that have been diligently pursuing Christ, desiring to follow him, and you've kind of hit a wall. And the joy of salvation may have decreased, and the frustration uh, has increased. On the day of Pentecost, the disciples who had a mandate that they had no idea how they could ever live up to received that which was necessary for them to fulfill their walk and their calling. A lot of times we have calls from God, but because of the resistance and the frustration in trying to walk it out, we give up on it and, 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 and conclude that it's, not, it's truly not necessarily our call. But I would say be careful. You, it may be your call. You may just need an anointing. You may just need an experience with the Holy Spirit that will empower you and equip you to fulfill. I remember those early days of how easy it seemed to be to do ministry that was so difficult before that moment. I can't promise that it's going to be easy for you. But the sense was this morning, if you want to hit the easy button, I invite you to just come to the front and we'll be happy to pray for you and that the spirit of the living God would fall upon you in a fresh way. See, it's not a one-time experience. Paul tells us to be constantly, continually filled with the Holy Spirit. So if your sales, and we looked at that word last week, to be filled means to have your sails on your boat, catching the wind so that it's fully, fully uh, filled. If you need more, more wind in your sails. So Father, I pray that your blessing would rest upon each one. For, for those that you're, you're calling to yourself in a in a way that causes them to move out, I pray that you give them the grace to move out. For those that need to leave, I pray, Father, that your presence would go with them and that because of your Holy Spirit, we would see your kingdom thrive. We would see the fruit of the Spirit. We'd see the power of the Spirit. We'd see the fullness of your kingdom manifested just as Jesus prayed on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. God bless you.
Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.